had one of those days where you were looking for something and and maybe you go through that you know retracing your steps where 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 would where was i trying to locate that item and and you even go back over in your mind and you're picturing yourself where you were at with that item and maybe you're thinking right now yep the car keys or maybe the eyeglasses or you know your cell phone you know and some people put that little beeper thing on it so you can find it I, I don't have one of those so I just have Pat call me and so I can find my cell phone but maybe you've done that you've misplaced something and 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 you know I hate to say it the reason we can't find those things when we lose them is because we're obviously not looking in the right place you know that's just the reality of it and sometimes I think about too you know we're trying to get somewhere that we've been before and no matter how hard we try we just can't seem to to reach that destination it's out of our reach for for whatever reason but getting from point A to point B just seems impossible and 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 we you know again we can't get there because of course the the course that we're on isn't going to allow us to get there well, what if it wasn't a physical destination? What if it wasn't our cell phones and the car keys that we're looking for? But what if it's peace? What if peace? What if it's perfect peace that we're looking for? I don't know if, if Marie picked up on it this morning, but I had just put this oil in this morning before I went and talked to her, and it was, it's called peace and calming. It's a wonderful thing. It, it does kind of, you know, bring you a little peace. That's what it's designed to do. But the beautiful thing, or the, the bad thing about it is that you have to reapply it. So it's really not perfect peace, is it? No. So today, I've titled today's message, Perfect Peace. Is it possible? Is it possible? And so to help us answer this question this morning we're going to be in Psalm 139 and so if you have your Bible you can turn there and I do encourage you bring your Bible to church you know there's something about turning through the pages as I I said this morning with the the book that we're going to be going into for our series next year it's, it's something about having those concrete pages in in your hand and, and then following along, of course, in your Bible is, is always a good thing, too. It helps you get more familiarized with the layout of the Bible, the different books, and, and all of that. And, and I think it also gives you opportunity to jot down some notes. You know, maybe there's something that really strikes you as, as you're listening to me, and maybe God's speaking to you in a totally different way, and you want to jot that down so you don't forget it, and you got it right there next to the text that we're going through. And, and so I encourage you to do that. And again, if you don't have a Bible, um, please let me know. I'd be happy to guide you in maybe what might be a good fit for you, whether it be a translation, whether it be a study Bible. Uh, uh, you know, there's just so many different ones, life application. And so just want to help you find the right fit. But today, our text, Psalm 139, is a psalm that offers great comfort because it points us to where we can find perfect peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Not peace in our situation, not peace in an oil or anything like that, not peace in possessions, but perfect peace. And doesn't everyone want perfect peace? 
peace that's unwavering, peace that is steadfast, peace that holds us like an anchor in the storms of life, perfect peace. Now, this concept of perfect peace might seem impossible for many, something that appears to be too good to be true, but it is true. It might not seem true because we're looking for it in a place that it can't be found. Contrary to a number of self-help books or, or various false religions, perfect peace is not found in understanding ourselves better. Contrary to the world, it is not found in our situations, our health, or our wealth. Perfect peace is found in knowing who God is. Knowing God in his fullness, of course, is a lifelong endeavor. It, it is. But I hope that we can determine to learn more about him every single day. Both head and heart knowledge. Both biblically and experientially. But we can take what we know now and expand it from there. Growing and putting into practice what we know about God. And so I hope today, as we look at three attributes of God through the words of the psalmist in Psalm 139, that these, these three attributes, when applied to our lives, will discover that we can have perfect peace. Now, while the message is going to contain three big theological words like omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, Yes, say that three times fast. <laughs> but but omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, or omnipotent. See, I can't even say it right. Omnipotent. Um, omni means all. And so we'll hang on to that as we go through it. And, and these theological terms might make it seem like, well, we're kind of setting the, the course for this to be a rather dry and impersonal service. Well, let me assure you, it will be anything but. So, before we launch into what the psalmist has to say this morning, let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we eagerly anticipate what you have for us this morning. And, and knowing that you offer us perfect peace, Lord, through who you are, and so, Lord, help us to, to understand how the psalmist ties this together for us. And, Lord, help us to also apply it to our lives, that we would not leave unchanged this morning, but that you would change us through the power of your amazing word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the psalmist starts out in verse 1. He starts out with, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm about to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Well, here the psalmist is saying that God is an omniscient God. He knows everything, period. Everything before time began, to the present, to the future, 
God knows everything about everything. So how humbling for the psalmist and us to come to the realization that God knows everything about us. Our yesterday, our future, our everyday, everyday. Have you ever given that thought before? That God knows everything about you? Every aspect of you, every aspect of your life, what you do, every motivation, where you go, every action that you make, what you say, what you think, everything. Psalm 44, 21 says, God would surely have known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. Now you might be saying, hmm, I'm not sure that's such a good thing. God knows everything about me, every thought that I have. Well, you're not the only one who's considered this. One fellow saint put it this way. He says, he, mean referring to God, he knows what rule we walk by, what end we walk to, what company we walk with, Wherever we are, we are under the eye and hand of God. Such, such thoughts should restrain us from sin. I would agree with that. Such realization that God is all-knowing should restrain us from sin because we know no sin is hidden from our omniscient God. No thought is hidden from our all-knowing God. No action is hidden from him. God knows everything that we do and say. Yes, even think. Good reasons for us to, to heed the word in Colossians 3.17 when, when Paul wrote, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We should be mindful, knowing that God is omniscient of what it is that we're thinking and doing and saying. But this realization that God knows everything should also offer us perfect peace. Because he also knows our struggles. He also knows our fears and our doubts. He knows what we can handle. And he also knows how much is too much for us to bear. He understands our frailties. He knows our needs. And as his children... He is for us. And so that he knows everything about us should offer us peace because we also know that he is a good heavenly father. Now while this is too wonderful for us to really fully comprehend, too great to fully understand that, that God knows everything, we can have perfect peace. Because him knowing everything also includes that he knows everything about us. He is omniscient. God is all-knowing. God is also omnipresent. Look back at the words of the psalmist, picking it back up with verse 7. He writes, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell on the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me 
to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To the top, or to you, the, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You know, sometimes we can look at those first two uh, phrases or sentences, I can never escape from your spirit, I can never get away from your presence, is maybe that the psalmist is wanting to escape. But I think it makes more sense to consider that the writer is, is marveling at the awesome fact that no matter where he goes, God is going to be with him. God is present everywhere. I remember uh, a little while ago um, some of the perks of being a wife in, in public, of a public works worker is you can take along to his training sometimes. And part of Pat's training um, up in the Ely area a little while ago was that he got to go and tour the sedan mine. I don't know if any of you have ever had the opportunity to do that. But we, we all get into, of course, equipped with our hard hats, um, get into this uh, cage elevator, and we go down 2,341 feet into the earth. That just seems amazing to me. But we're going down in this cage, and, and we get down in there, and we're doing this tour, and, and they uh, are explaining, you know, what the miners would have done and through the different eras that that mine was opened. And, and then they... They inform us, thankfully, we're going to shut the lights off. And they shut the lights off, and it is dark. I mean, I couldn't even see my hand in front of me, let alone Pat next to me. But the reality is, is he was still there. Even though I couldn't see him, I knew he was still there. And that's how we can view God. Even though our, we may seem like we are in the darkest place in our life, God is still there even when we can't see him. Even when we feel like we're in that pit of despair like the psalmist was talking about, God can still see us. He is still with us because he is all present everywhere. He's even with you when you're going back up the shaft and the bats are going with you. I was not going to scream because I was in this elevator with a bunch of other guys that are in public works, and it's like I am not going to scream because there is a bat here. Absolutely not. But it was interesting. So I knew God was with me then too. So <laughs> he is with us at all times, everywhere. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We can have perfect peace in knowing that God is always present everywhere. Everywhere. So this means that no achievement podium is going to put us out of God's presence. No bottle is too deep for God to go into. He's with us in every victory. He's with us in every storm. He's with us when we are sitting in an infusion chair receiving a treatment. He's with us as my family was yesterday, standing before a grave of a loved one. He is with us at all times. He's with us when we're celebrating a new job. He's with us when our head is laying on our kitchen table as we wonder, can we pay this month's bills? God is present everywhere 
at all times. This also means that no matter how fast a loved one of ours may seem to be running away from God, or how far they may be going, God is still present with them as well. They might not know it, but God is. And when God is with them, he's also with us as we are praying for them to turn their heart to God. God is present everywhere at all times. And that can offer us perfect peace. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is also omnipotent. He is all-powerful. The psalmist continues in verse 13. He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. And I just messed up my husband. (laughs) Go ahead and go to verse 13. Yep. And then 14 says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of my womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God has ultimate authority over all things, all creatures, all humans. Now, of course, we know that this does not mean that, that God uses all his power and authority at all times, or at least not in the way that we think he should. We think about Christ being fully God, fully man on the cross. and He had the power to come down. We know that, but he chose not to, even though the mockers had challenged him to do so. So we know sometimes he doesn't use his power as we think he should, but that doesn't negate the fact that he still is all-powerful. God has the power to destroy all sin, all evil, but he hasn't chosen to do so and will wait until the end of history. We don't understand it. We can't totally comprehend it. But we know it to be true. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17 says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God powerfully created the world and everything in it. Everything. And he has the power to hold it all in place. And so we can have perfect peace in knowing that this same powerful God is the same one that holds us. 
holds our world in place. He created us. He knew the plans that he had for us, for our lives, before we were even born. He created us powerfully on purpose, with a purpose. And he did it all with great care. And he still holds our life today. Understanding the amazing power that that his God has, along with his understanding that he is omniscient and omnipresent, leads the psalmist to make a strong declaration. So strong that if we were to consider it outside of the context, we would be dangerously misun- we would dangerously misunderstand it. Because the psalmist writes in verse 19, he says, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Now these four verses of the psalm seem like they're very harsh and, and, and counter-Christian in light of what Jesus instructs us when he says for us to love our enemies. But we know that scripture doesn't contradict itself. It's always in alignment. And so then what do we do with these four verses? It's been suggested that we would look at these verses not as a spirit of revenge, for we know that that would not be in alignment with the Bible's teaching. But rather that the psalmist is is standing with God against evil. That he too hates that evil is present in this world. The psalmist, of course, is grieved over the wickedness and implores God to help him to stay that course of righteousness. That if any wickedness would be hidden within him, that God would show him. And with that, it leads the psalmist to pray to God to reveal any hidden sin. Verses 23 and 24, he writes as a prayer to God. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, just as Followers of as Jesus, we too should hate evil and unrighteousness in the world. We should take a stand with God in regards to it, desiring to separate ourselves from the evil and the unrighteousness. But we too, like the psalmist, should...
furthering the work of sanctification in us. That we would desire that God would point out any attitude, any action that is not in alignment with him. Inviting the Holy Spirit to show us that we can re- so that we can repent and turn from it. To pray as the psalmist did. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He is with us everywhere at all times, along with everyone else on the earth at all times. He's everywhere. He's also omnipotent, all-powerful. We do live in times of turmoil and tragedy and, yes, even wickedness. And it may seem like peace is impossible, but perfect peace isn't found in the things and the ways of the world. Perfect peace is not experienced by worldly health and wealth. Perfect peace is experienced by knowing God for who he is, that he knows everything about us, that he's everywhere at all times, he's always with us, knowing that he's all-powerful and has ultimate authority over all things. That should offer us perfect peace. I'm going to close with a, a story of a man who had perfect peace. And some of you may know this story. The man's name is Horatio Spafford, and he was a lawyer from Chicago in the 1800s. And along with establishing a successful practice, he also had invested in property along Lake Michigan. And along with establishing this successful practice, he had, you know, again, he had invested in this property. And, and, and he married and he had five children and a son had died and so he had four daughters left. And shortly after his property along Michigan was destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire. Um, he and his wife decided they needed to take some time and get away. And so they had planned a trip over to Europe, and they were going to help a, a friend of theirs, uh, D.L. Moody, a great evangelist. And so they were going to go and spend some time with him. They took a, a sh- or planned to take a ship, and Horatio and his wife and the four daughters were, were going to head over there. and Just at the last minute, a business situation came up that Horatio needed to stay behind, and so he sent his wife and four daughters on, on the ship. Along the route, their ship ended up getting hit by a cargo ship, and it sunk. The wife survived and got to Europe, and she sent wire to her husband, Horatio, and said, Save Dolores. And you can imagine how that husband felt, knowing that he wasn't there for his family at that moment. And as quick as he could, he got on a ship as well and sailed to Europe to be with his wife. And he got there, 
to that spot in the water where the ship had gone down and the captain had come and told him that this is where it was. And he wrote a hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. Because even in spite of losing his four daughters, the tragedy that that was, he still had the perfect peace of God, knowing that God was always going to be with him, but that God was also with his daughters. Imagine the perfect peace that a man would have to have in his heart to write, it is well with my soul after such a tragedy. The perfect peace is possible because all things are possible with God. The Bible says in Philippians 4-7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, perfect peace, is beyond our ability to fully understand. But it's true. Even though it's beyond our complete comprehension, it comes from a God who is all-knowing, always with us, and all-powerful. The question this morning is, do you have perfect peace? The peace in your heart, even when everything else around you is falling apart. Do you have the peace that surpasses all understanding? The peace that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace that offers your spirit a safe place of hiding, which no matter what is going on around you or to you, that you're sheltered from the storm. Do you have perfect peace? Will you bow your heads with me this morning? I don't know where you're at this morning on the matter of perfect peace. Do you know that it's possible? Because you're experiencing it, you know it is true. If that's you this morning, praise God. Praise God that you have perfect peace no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is going on in your loved one's life, no matter what's going on around you. Praise God for giving you that perfect peace. If you're here and you think, well, I kind of have it. Ask God to take the peace that you do have and increase the trust in him and to decrease the trust that you have in your circumstances. Because circumstances are fleeting, they can change in a moment. Ask God to increase your perfect peace by knowing him even more and trusting in him even more. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, I'm here because I don't have peace. If that's you, experiencing perfect peace starts with a relationship with Christ. Because it's Christ that all of the promises of God, which includes perfect peace, 
begin with him. They are yes and amen in Christ. And so if you are here and you have no perfect peace because you do not know Christ as your Savior, you can accept him as your Lord and Savior today. It's no big uh, production. There's nothing special you have to do. It is literally just a calling out to him and saying, Jesus, I need you because the circumstances in my life are not as they ought to be. I am caught in, in living in this world, and I need your help. I want to repent of my sin and receive you as my Savior. If that's you here today, and that's what you're desiring, I just encourage you, whisper that in your heart as I close in prayer. But then I also encourage you, tell someone that you know, whether it be me or, or someone that you maybe came with this morning or or somebody that you know that, that knows Jesus, tell them of the decision that you made because they want to celebrate with you. They want to celebrate that perfect peace for not just this life, but for all of eternity is yours in Christ, in Christ alone. And if you're here this morning, and, and whatever decision you feel like you've made in your heart, whether it be by receiving Christ or whether it be asking God for more peace, a greater peace, I encourage you to pray with the prayer team this morning. They just want to come alongside you and seal whatever it is that God spoke to you this morning in, in prayer. And so, God, we do just thank you, Lord, for your perfect peace. It is possible. It's not peace that that's going to be fleeting. It's not peace that's going to have to be reapplied. It is peace that will weather every storm, every circumstance, every hardship, every desperate time that we're in. It is perfect peace. We can't find it anywhere but in you, Lord. And so we thank you. We praise you for offering us perfect peace. And Lord, I pray that we would always be asking Is there anything in us that would hinder that peace? Anything at all, Lord, that that needs to, to come before you in your perfect light, that we can repent of it, that we can be um, remorseful and be forgiven so that we can experience that perfect peace. Lord, we just thank you so much for how good you are to us. We've done nothing to deserve perfect peace but it is a gift that you do give us, a promise that you give us. And so, Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.